Okay, so Romans 6. Shall we carry on sinning? Funny, you don't often hear someone come up to you and say, hey, shall we carry on sinning? But I think you sometimes you get the question, how do you stop? How do you actually get free? And, and this chapter follows on Paul's wonderful epistle. So chapter 6, we'll read the first, um, something like 14 verses. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How should we who died to sin still live in it? Don't you know that all of us who've been baptised into Christ Jesus have been baptised into his death? Therefore we've been buried with him through baptism into death. So that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we've been united with him in the likeness of his death, Certainly, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. Now, if we had died with Christ, we believe we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin, once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, don't let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its lusts. Don't go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not, have, shall not be master over you, for you're not under law, but under grace. Holy Spirit, we do acknowledge your presence with us. We, we want your help, Lord. Holy Spirit, come... Be our teacher, we pray. Help us, Lord. Anoint our ears to hear. Anoint my tongue to speak. We might, what we do here might be in the power of the Holy Spirit with the truth of God setting us free. Lord, please bless us. Use your word to free us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So you don't often hear believers conspiring uh, should we carry on sinning then? But I think there is a kind of flip side question. How do you actually stop sinning? It's wonderful to know that God declares us righteous as a gift because of Jesus. That's what the Bible plainly teaches. We receive his righteousness. It's a done deal. But we want to be thoroughly saved. Uh, and I always feel it's a bit like the Egyptian chasing the Israelis out of the promised land, out of um, Egypt. Uh, in Egypt, they, they received the, the covering of the Passover blood. God said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. It's not, it wasn't for the Israelites to kind of keep opening the door and looking at the blood and think, doesn't do much for me, really. I, I still feel scared. 
you know, death is going to sweep through Egypt tonight. Firstborn of every household will be slaughtered. Uh, it's coming, it's coming. Uh, you know, no, no, God didn't say when you see the blood, he said when I see the blood, I will pass over you. God is satisfied with the blood of the Lamb. Only God knows the value of the blood of the Lamb. And we find peace with God because he is satisfied with the blood. We find peace because that obedient lamb of God took away our guilt. It's done. It's, it's, it's an arrangement between the father and the son. And it's a done thing. And God is satisfied, so we're justified. That's the work of God. So it's not to try and make me feel better. God is satisfied. I am declared righteous in the mercy of God. But you know, these, these uh, Israelites hey, death has swept through the nation and we, we escaped. We survived. It didn't touch us. We, free, we woke up free. There's death everywhere. There's crying in every household. Firstborn died everywhere. We weren't touched. We're free. But they start moving out and, oh no, there's the Red Sea. Oh, we're still shut in. And here comes the Egyptian army. And I can imagine some saying, oh, that's, that's my master. I'm, st I'm still his slave. And that's how I felt as a young teenager when I got saved. I thought, well, thank you for forgiveness, but I'm still in slavery. I, 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 all kinds of stuff still getting at me. But these people, they weren't only righteous, justified through blood. They actually were delivered. The Red Sea opened and they got through. And they really were liberated. They were, complete, they were no longer slaves. And Romans 6 is, I believe, really built on the story of the Exodus. It's like they went down into the depths and came up again. They came out free. They're no longer, they're not slaves anymore. We, it's all over. The slavery is finished. And so that's what Paul spells out really here in Romans 6. He's going to say, how do I get freed? Well, some people say, well, just let go and let God. He doesn't say that. He said, grace has set me free, so hey, stop fighting sin, just let go, let God. That's a popular phrase. But if that's what it was, you know, Paul could finish here, couldn't he? So, so, Romans, let go, let God. Goodbye, love Paul, end of it. No, he doesn't end it there. He, he spells out some things. So the things that we need to know, and there's some things we need to do, and he tells us what they are. It's, it's, it's a mystery, it's there. But sadly, beloved, believers don't often dig into the epistles. You know, often believers, if they read their Bibles, they read the Gospels or the Psalms, but this is the stuff that sets you free. It's very important, and as we as leaders, it's important. You know, the whole Bible is inspired, right? The whole Bible. The Old Testament is all inspired, God-breathed. Now, the New Testament sheds more light than the Old, but also Jesus said to the apostles, I've got more to say to you, but you couldn't receive it yet. When the Spirit comes, you know, you apostles, they're, they're struggling with what Jesus is saying. He says, if you, you know, eat my flesh, drink my blood, and it's like, ooh, what was he saying? Many backed off that day. It's like, you can't take it in, what I'm saying. But when the Spirit comes, and Paul says in Ephesians and in chapter 3, he says, things previously hidden, now revealed to God's holy apostles and prophets. In other words, the cream, if I could put it that way, the cream of revelation is here, what these, these guys tell us. And so we've got to encourage people, see what it says, see what it says. Now it needs the help, and, and some of us here, we're leaders, we've got to help people to get out from here what it says. 
Otherwise, we're struggling in the dark. This is, this is the apostolic truth. They gave themselves to the apostles' doctrine. This is the truth of God that sets us free. See, well, without the apostolic explanation, we don't know what happened. You know, you could be, there's a guy hanging on a cross. I wonder what that means. We've no idea what it means. It's not happening in the temple. It doesn't even look religious. It's in the rubbish place outside. It's not in a synagogue. It's not in a temple. What on earth is that about? We only know what that's about because the apostles tell us what happened. When he died, your sins were removed. Wow. Not only that, when he died, you died. We died? Yeah, that's, that's what the apostles are going to tell us. That's what Paul's going to tell us here. Something profound happened to us that changes us. That sets us free. But if we don't know this, we wander around. We go back to rules and law because we haven't grasped the gospel. And it's so important that we get into this, that we learn this, we can express it, help one another. So Paul is saying there are some things you need to know and there are some things you need to do. That's what this chapter is going to tell us. Jesus said you shall know the truth and the truth will free you. It's knowing truth that will free you. So Paul starts, and shall we carry on sinning? No, 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 no. Don't you know? Right, so don't you know? So knowing, knowing. Don't you know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ have been baptized into his death? Don't you know? And if, there's two things before we go any further. All of us, he says. All of us. It's not like some people have broken through. It's not that there's an elite, a special call. There's, no, there's sinners in Adam, then there's Christians in Christ, and then there's the elite who've actually died to sin. Imagine. He doesn't say that. He says all of us. All of us who've been baptised into Christ. And when he's saying baptised into Christ, I don't think he's highlighting baptism. I remember years ago there was a church in this country, so if you're struggling with sin, it's probably you weren't baptised properly. And they distorted this verse. Can't we'll baptize you properly? Get you freed from sin. No, he's saying you all, all, all who are in Christ, all who have been baptized. Because in the Bible, if you became a Christian, you got baptized. Obviously, sort of thing. So all of us who are in Christ, been baptized into Christ, have been baptized into His death. All right now, he doesn't say you've got to have your death to sin experience. So I'm not, what I'm saying here this afternoon is, now here's an experience for you to go for. I'm not saying that. I'm saying Paul is telling us what has already happened to all of us. It's an announcement. It's a proclamation. It's like, this is, this is the truth. This is what has already happened. We're not going to say at the end, come forward and we pray this will happen to you. No, no. All of us, then the next thing to notice is all past tense. He doesn't say, here's something you should go for now. I'm not saying that this afternoon. Here's something you should really reach for. No, all of us have had this. This is true of all of us. We just need to know it. You should know. If you know it, that's what Jesus says. You should know the truth. The truth will free you. So don't you know? So Paul's, that's his line. Don't you know? We've been buried with him through baptism into death as Christ was raised from the dead. We are united with Christ. Union with Christ is the key to our Christian walk, really. What happened to Jesus, we were included in. We were in him. Tragically, like we were in Adam. So we don't think of ourselves in, as in Adam, but that's, that is what the Bible teaches, that Adam was representative man 
when he sinned, somehow we were all included. We're all in Adam. I don't remember taking, oh yeah, I remember I took the fruit. No, I don't remember at all. But I was somehow in him. And I don't remember dying with Christ, but I was somehow in him. That's what the Bible says. That's how we get free. That's how we get free. Knowing this is the truth, all of us were united with him in his death. And I don't feel that. It's not to do with whether you feel that. It's true. Because God says so. You might say, well, I don't feel very dead to sin. And therefore God's wrong. No, God's right. Well, I want to take it to a higher court. There isn't a higher court. You can't take it higher than God. God says of those in Christ, they've died to sin. That's what he says. So you can't say, no, I don't think that's true. No, it's true. All, all Christians are in Christ, when he died, we died with him. That's what the Bible says. It says the same in Colossians, having died with Christ, it says it everywhere. That, that is the Christian experience that's in Christ. What happened to Christ? That's the heart of Christianity. What happened to Christ is accredited to us. We were in him. That's, what, that's the way Paul explains. Shall we carry on sinning? No, 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 you've died. That's his answer. You have died with Christ. That has already happened to you. And so it's true because God says it's true. You can't take it to a higher court. You can't say, well, I think it's not relevant. It's what he says is true. You should know the truth. The truth will set you free. That's what the Bible says. And so we know, we know we died with him because our old self was crucified with him. Our old body of sin was done away with. He who has died is freed from sin. I remember, when this first came home to me quite vividly, I, was, I used to commute to London every day. I lived in Brighton and I worked in London. I used to catch the train every day. And uh, when I was, I was terribly backslidden and used to gamble in the front compartment, now I'd move back. And uh, I'm trying to learn how to be a proper Christian and I'm struggling. I'm reading books, I'm reading my Bible. Come and read my Bible. And uh, I remember one, in those days, compartments are different now, but I used to get into the compartment, shut the door, and there'd be like, I don't know, eight or ten people in the compartment. And uh, now they all look at their phones, then they always look at, look at their newspapers. You didn't, English people are weird, they don't speak to one another. And uh, you get in the compartment, you put your thing up on the top, you sit down, you open your paper. And I'm sitting there with my Bible. And, uh, and I'm struggling because there's a guy, I had this problem and that I'd not, I don't remember having before. There was someone in my church that I was very jealous of. And uh, I, 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 I hate this attitude. I hate, I don't like, I don't like the, you know, it gets, gets light, gets, you know, gets spoken of. And I, and I suddenly realized, you're in real problems, you horrible attitude. And I hated it. I thought, Lord, I want to get free from this. I'm a Christian, I should be free from this. And the pastor of this quite big church, 700 on Sunday, and he said, as one of my young people said to me, and quoted them on a Sunday in the church. I thought, oh, I'm struggling with this. And, and I, I'm thinking, I don't want this. I don't like this. I should. I'm a Christian. And I read that morning, he that has died is freed from sin. And I suddenly saw it. I thought, oh, dead people aren't jealous. Dead people don't worry. And I saw it. I thought, oh, I'm free. Because it says so. 
And I remember I laughed out loud in the compartment. I remember all the newspapers came down, you know. <laughs> I just laughed. I'm free, I'm free. And I thought, I think they probably thought, I didn't know there were too many jokes in the Bible, you know. But I, I just, I know I'm free. And I became, we became real pals and there was no problem. Because it says, I'm free. And I, I just believed it. And so, no, it's true. Dead people don't get jealous. They really don't. So that's, that's number one, right? We're working through. What is Paul's answer? Shall we carry on sinning? No, number one, knowing that you've died. Right? No, I know it because God says it's true. Then the second thing it says in verse 11, even so, consider. Consider yourselves to be dead to sin. Right? That's, that's like a second instruction. The first instruction is know it because God says it's true. The second instruction is consider it, reckon it. It's, uh, Paul often borrows words from uh, the world of the law courts, justify, you know, use that sort of language. This word is borrowed from the world of accountancy. And it really means put it in the right column. Consider, get it, get, it's like get the word in the right column. If you've got an accountant, you want the figures in the right column. So in other words, line up correctly. That's what he's saying. First, know it's true. Then second, consider it true. Now that is the renewing of the mind. And it's like, now keep, because you might tend to keep going back. No, 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 I'm not. This is who I am. All right? So we're human beings. We can drift. So he's saying, look, no, it's true, but consider it. Keep considering it. Line up with it. And again, this came home to me very vividly once. I, I, I was traveling overseas the first time in my life. And uh, my sister was a missionary in Spain, and I'm visiting her in Spain. And I, this is a new experience to me. Uh, and we fly into Barcelona, and the uh, pilot says, welcome to Barcelona, it's four o'clock. And I think, no, it's not, it's three o'clock. Perfectly good watch, so it's three o'clock. Still going? What's wrong with him? It's four, welcome to Barcelona, it's four o'clock. I said, well, you get off the plane, thank you very much, four o'clock, three o'clock really. No, no, look, in Barcelona, it was four o'clock. So change your watch. If there's a different time zone. It's the reality. Change your watch. Hey, beloved, you're in Christ. Change your thinking. This is the truth of this place. I could walk around wrong for ages. In Barcelona, Israel. <laughs> Line up, consider it, reckon it, change your watch. God says, I'm free from sin. Hey, line up. Line up, think it. Think that way. That's what the Bible says. Think it, because it's true. It's true, no, it's true. Now get used to thinking it. And sometimes everything in you says, no, I'm still... You know, one hour to Spain isn't so difficult. I was in the USA this year, in several places, like six hours. Six hours. Think, oh, come on, what am I, why am I awake? It's the middle of the night. Why am I asleep? It's the middle of the day. No, over here, this is the time. So line up. The sooner you line up with their time, the better it will be. Sometimes everything in you says, no, this is the wrong time. No, this is the right time. You are in, you are in St. Louis now. Think that way. Change your watch. Sort it out. But my body, no, forget that. That's the truth. And the sooner you can get your brain into the different time zone, the happier you will be. 
And, and that's, that's beloved, it's knowing that we are. And some Christians, if I can insert this here, some Christians want to insist that you're still a sinner. Tragically, the Puritans were so much into that. Oh, we're still such sinners. Paul doesn't say that. If you live your time in the epistles, you will not find that. My, one of my friends, the pastor, said he was in a meeting recently, uh, uh, young guys, and he, and he said to these young guys, it was quite an early meeting, he started at 9.30 when he started speaking at 10 in the morning, and he said, how many of you here this morning have not sinned today? He said, there's room for the men. How many of you have not sinned today? And he said, one hand went up. So he pointed to one guy and he said, so what sin have you committed today? So he said, well, we're all sinners, aren't we? So I guess I must have done. It's so wrong. It's Christians saying, we're a sinner. Many Christians will almost insist, but of course we're sinners, really. We're sinners, really. Well, we better not read Philippians then, because it's written to the saints. But not bother to read it. It's not written to you. It's written to saints. Holy ones. See, if you keep saying, well, of course we are you are, we are sinners, of course, we're still sinners, really. Well, of course, I sin well, that's what you expect, don't you? That is so wrong. It's not biblical. Now, the Puritans might have kept on saying it, but it's not what they, if you If you live all your life as much as you can in the epistles, you won't find that there. You'll find a section in Romans 7, at the end of Romans 7, where Paul says things and I was so helped by reading Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones on this. He, he says this, Paul says too much for this to be his personal testimony. You see, people say, well, Paul, Paul said, but, but Paul didn't just say, sometimes I have a bad day. At the end of Romans 7, he says, I'm in bondage to sin. He says, nothing good dwells in me. He says, I practice the evil that I don't want to. I'm a wretched man, I don't know what to do. And Paul says, so Paul knew this. No, Paul, that's not Paul's testimony. If that's Paul's testimony, why follow him? He said, and, and elsewhere, he says, I'm the chief of sinners. He was a sinner. He was responsible for Stephen's death. But now, he says elsewhere, I know nothing against me. Colossians 1 Corinthians 4. I'm, I'm, I said, I'm aware of nothing against me. He says, I'm, I'm better than the most superlative apostles. He's not living with this heavy drudgery. He's not living with, oh, of course, I'm really such a terrible sinner. He's been set free. He's set free. That's what the Bible says. Follow me. No, I'm the chief of sinners. You know, I'm, I'm worse than Ravi Zacharias. Follow me. You know, I'm the worst sinner. That, come on, he's not saying that. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, no, no, we've been set free. And, and step into the freedom. He that has died is freed from sin. That's Paul writing. If he does it, by the way, I'm in bondage to sin. Don't tell anybody, I'll tell people sometime. It doesn't make sense. He says, I'm conscious of nothing against myself. He says, I've served God with a good conscience. That's not Paul. That's not Christian testimony. That's what it's like if you live, this is what Lloyd-Jones says, if you live by relationship with law. Law will always do that to you. Law will condemn you. And he's just saying, look, don't go there. Step away from that. And so look, if we've died with Christ, we believe we should also live with him. We consider ourselves to be dead. Then he says, verse 12, this is the, this is the next part. Know it, consider it. Thirdly, act appropriately. Now this is just as important. 
That's why it's not let go and let God. See, some people say, oh, just let go and let go. It doesn't say that. It says, don't let sin reign in your mortal body that you obey its lusts. Don't go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. Present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness. So here's specific instruction to these people who've died to sin. And he said, present the members of your body to God. Don't let sin reign in your mortal body. So why is the word mortal there? Why don't you just say body? Well, maybe he's underlining, we haven't got an immortal body. We've got a body that's going to die. And if I can put it this way, my soul is saved. I'm a new creation in here, but I'm living in a body that's not yet saved. Romans 8, we're awaiting the redemption of our bodies. I'm going to get a new body one day, which is very good news when you get as old as I am. A new body, hallelujah. But that's salvation future. We're going to get new bodies. Once you get past 21, that's very good news. You're going to get a new body. It's great news, okay? But meanwhile, this new man is living in this old body. And we've got members. Members. That must be presented in the right direction. You know, when, when, when the worship, music doesn't kind of exist. We pick up our instruments our guitars, our keyboard. It's looking, we need an instrument. Sin is looking for an instrument. And in the past, it used my members. I would, I would touch what I'm not supposed to touch. I would say what I shouldn't say. I'd listen to what I shouldn't listen to. I'd look at what I shouldn't look at. These, in, these members were engaged by sin. Now I'm a new man. Now take responsibility for your members. That's what it's saying. Don't present your members to, as instruments of sin. Don't make them available. Take responsibility. So the Christian is a new person, but he takes responsibility for his members. He makes good decisions. In the Psalms, or big pardon, in the Proverbs, it says, the wise man does not go down the street of a prostitute. Now you might say, well that's the quickest route. I want to go from A to B, and that's the quickest way. I know the prostitute lives there, but um, he says the wise man doesn't go that way. The wise man makes a different decision, it goes a different way. That's what the wise man does. We're new creatures, we make wise choices. We don't get into situations. It's like, oh well I'm with my girlfriend and we love one another very much, and when there's no one around, we probably do stuff we shouldn't do. Don't go there. See, make choices. You make choices. The Christian is to make good, present your members as a new person. So it's knowing, considering, and then doing the right thing. Because we're still fighting against the world, the flesh, and the devil. We're still in those battles. We are new people, but we've got to see, we've got to fight these battles. How do I live the righteous life? By knowing, by considering, and by taking appropriate action. And it comes out of knowing who I am. You see, it says you used to be slaves of sin. Verse 17. You used to be slaves of sin. Having, verse 18. Having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. 
That's your identity. You used to be a slave of sin. When Christians keep saying, I'm a sinner, that's not what the Bible says. It says you used to be a slave of sin. If I can borrow this for a minute, that won't scare the PA guys. Right, so, right, I'm, a, I'm a slave. Sin says, come on, slave. Okay, I'm a slave of sin. Sin has control over my life. It, ta- it makes my choices. I'm a slave of sin. I do what sin tells me to do. And one day, sin says, come on, we're going down to the town. Okay, here we go. Well, we're at the market. All right, stay there, I'm going. Okay. And then there comes righteousness through the market. I'm going to buy you. Oh, no, I'm a slave of sin. No, no, I'm going to buy you. I'm going to pay the full price for you. I'm buying you, buying me. Okay. Oh, I'm not a slave of sin anymore. And righteousness says, no, you're my slave now. Oh, yeah. Come on, slave. We're slaves of righteousness. We will tend to do what's right. We are slaves. That's what the Bible says. My identity, we are. That's your identity. You're a slave of righteousness. And that's why, to be honest, if we do something wrong, we feel bad about it. When I was sitting in that train, I thought, I hate this feeling of envy. I don't feel comfortable in it. Why not? Because I, I don't belong there. And so, in the world, I found freedom. Christians, they don't feel comfortable in sin. They feel uncomfortable. What am I doing here? I shouldn't be here. Why? Because your identity is your slave of righteousness now. God's changed our identity, and it's out of that new identity that we live the new life. If we haven't changed our identity to try and live the new life, it's impossible. The law can't change you. You need a new birth. Once you've got a new birth, you become a slave of righteousness. That is the sphere you feel comfortable in. That's what you like doing. And you're being transformed all the time by the renewing of your mind. There's an ongoing process. We grow in grace. But that is my identity. If that's not my identity, then try harder then. No, I've done something profound in me. And I need to recognize it. It's no good telling me I'm a sinner. That won't change me. The Bible tells me I used to be. No, I'm not. Now I'm a slave of righteousness. That's where I feel at home. That's what I'm inclined to do. You know, I when, I was, when, I, when I was a sinner, you know, we go to some outrageous party on Saturday night. On Monday, I'm boasting about it. At the coffee break with the guys, I am boasting about it. Because that was my world. Now, I get in the place and I, and, I, and I use the wrong tone of voice. I think, oh, I'm sorry, I, please don't misunderstand. You think, what's wrong with your tone of voice? What's with you? I don't feel comfortable. I want to get it right now because God's changed us inside, given us a new identity. So if we haven't got a new identity, we're in trouble. See if I can, you can see this little speaker here, all right? You might be able to see it, the speaker here. So that speaker is a pig, right? Imagine, that's a pig, right? Pig, you are a pig. That's your identity. You know, oink, okay, what's my problem? Okay, that's who you are, okay, I'm a pig. Now pig, pig is your identity. Listen, pig, I'm going to tell you your calling in life. Oink, yeah, okay. Fly. Huh? You see, I've just made a very miserable pig. 
Because his identity is pig. His calling in life is fly. He's going to be a miserable pig the rest of his life. He's got to have a change of identity. See, John Bunyan wrote this wonderful poem, Run, John, run, the law demands, but gives you neither legs nor arms. See, the law demands, but gives you neither legs or arms. Better news the gospel brings, it bids you fly and gives you wings. See, run, John, run, the law demands, but gives you neither legs nor arms. Better news the gospel brings, it bids you fly and gives you wings. That's the gospel. It bids you fly and gives you wings. If we don't have a change of identity, just have, you know, be holy, I can't. I'll change you then. You die with Christ. I put that old sinner to death on the cross. You died with him. You're buried with him. You're raised with him to newness of life. You're a new creation. God has done an amazing thing. You have been born again. You were born once. I, I had the joy of being born once in the same house, upstairs. 16 years later, I was born again downstairs. I was born again. We've been born again. We have a new life. And so we live a new life. But we don't just let go and let God. We take seriously these steps that the scripture tells us. And so this wonderful question which starts, chapter 6, verse 1, shall we carry on sinning? It ends with a glorious statement in verse 14, sin shall not be master over you. That's a statement. Sin shall not rule over you. Why? You're not under law, you're under grace. It's total freedom that the Bible promises us by virtue of this completely new identity that Jesus has won for us. We are a new creation in Christ. We are his by virtue of what he had done for us. And Paul, uh, Paul says in Romans 7, the willing's with me, but the obedience isn't. <laughs> I can't do it. But in Philippians 2, Paul says, God is at work in us to will and to do. To will and to do. God is at work in us to will and to do. 1 Peter, 2 Peter 1 says, his divine power has granted us everything we need for life and godliness. Everything we need. We can live the godly life. And you find some people will say, well, there are these some sins. There's one sin I can't overcome. It's like, you know, whenever it comes, I yield to it. But Jesus says, or as Paul says elsewhere, there is no temptation like that. I, I heard a guy say, God told him to go and speak to a fellow because he, had, he knew what was happening. He heard it kind of prophetically. And he went to speak to this guy, and this guy said, well, before he said anything, he said, well, you know, my, my, my life's in a bit of a mess. I, I, I've committed adultery. My, life, my wife knows about it. And God knows about it. He's you know, so merciful. Um, it's just a thing with me. I, I, can't, I can't, can't help myself. I get into it. My wife's become very understanding. And God knows. And this guy said, yeah, that's why I'm here. God knows about it. He says, this is the word of God to you. If you do it again, you will die. He said, he was amazingly freed. He said, oh, I got free. He never did it again. Before, he said, oh, I can't help it. 
Now, if you do it again, you'll die. <laughs> oh, oh, my, I got freed. And we sometimes kid ourselves. We say, I can't help it. The, the Bible says there is no temptation but such as is common to man. Common to man might mean man-sized, not king-sized. This temptation is so king. No, no, there isn't one like that. It's all man-sized. Or I'm the only person who has it. No, no, it's common to man. And God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able to endure, but will make a way of escape. So we don't say, well, I can't help it. We say, I will understand the gospel and walk in the freedom that Jesus has given me. Okay, so that's, that's the second session. We're going to pray and then we'll break for a while. Jesus has set us free. Jesus has proclaimed that he took the price, he paid the price, he took the guilt, and we are now in newness of life. We must know it, we must consider it, we must act appropriately, and know it's all grace. Sin will not have a dominion over me. Because we're not under law, we're under grace, by the grace of God. Okay, let's pray. Lord Jesus, help us to comprehend this, help us to enjoy it, Help us to say in our hearts, I'm I'm not married to the law, I'm married to Jesus. I'm not in Adam, I'm in Christ. I'm a new creation, I'm not a slave of sin, I'm a slave of righteousness. I, I have a new identity. Help us to live out this new life. Help us to celebrate the wonder of what you did for us, Jesus. That you've made us new creations. We thank you, we're part of your new creation. We're so grateful. We pray, Lord Jesus, for the help of the Holy Spirit. Lord, to know truth, to feed on it, to let it do us immense good. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done for us. We give you the praise. Amen. Amen. Okay, Luke.